Welcome to Season 5 of the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we talk with enterprise and technology platform leaders about the people, processes, and platforms that make marketing and customer experience successful, scalable, and sustainable. This is what creates an Agile brand. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom, advisor and consultant for Fortune 1000 marketing and CX leaders and teams as principal and chief strategist at GK5A and best-selling author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and Agile certified coach. The Agile Brand Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to teksystems.com. To sign up for the Agile Brand newsletter and get the latest insights and articles on marketing technology and CX, or to purchase a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, go to gregkillstrom.com. You can also find all my books on Amazon and other retailers. And now on to the show. Today, we're going to talk about personalized content delivery and how it helps brands create more valuable and longer lasting customer relationships. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome John Thomas, Chief Strategy Officer at Relay Network. John, welcome to the show. Thank you, Greg. It's great to be here with you today. Yeah, looking forward to talking about this with you. Um, So why don't we get started by you giving a little background on yourself as well as what you're currently doing at Relay Network. Sure thing. Uh, I would describe my background as an entrepreneur. And what I mean by that is I've been building new business lines or new products, you know, opening new markets inside of large companies across a couple of different industries, including financial services, MarTech, e-commerce, and, and SaaS. And currently, I'm the chief strategy officer at Relay Network. And we're the first company to build a B2C content and communications platform in a scrolling feed format. Great, great. Well, so we're here to talk about content personalization and delivery of that content. Why don't you start by talking about the current state of content delivery and even personalized content delivery by companies? Where are we currently at and where are we lacking in that personalization department? Uh, well, I think we're lacking in a lot of areas in, yeah. in personalization, <laughs> the, the back half of the question. But, you know, I, I think we're in a place where there's a disconnect between how humans consume content and how companies are presenting and delivering content. And what, what I mean by that is, you know, we've been living in a world for a few years where most of us consume content on our mobile phones, in a scrolling feed or a carousel, in like this snackable motion, right? That, that's what we do as a species. And whether it's in Facebook or Instagram, YouTube, Snapchat, your news feed, your sports feed, whatever, that's really how we consume content. That's the dominant motion yeah. today. Yeah. But what companies are doing, Greg, is they're delivering that content to us in emails, in fixed web portals or transactional apps that have hamburger menus, right? And that's why I say, I think there's a disconnect in between sort of how people consume content and then how it's being sent to them from the corporate sector. You know, we don't, we don't snack on content in our email inboxes. Like that behavior stopped a very, very long time ago. Yeah. So I think we're, you know, where we're at is th- there's a lack of a core understanding between the preferred content delivery format uh, and what companies are doing. And then within that format or any other format, 
I, I don't think the personalization tools are there right now too. And, and personalization really shouldn't be defined as, you know, what you can sell me today, but that's how most companies are defining personalization today. Like what can I convert you into? Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you describe a little bit about what Relay does and and maybe you're going to answer some of my, my follow-up questions here by doing that. And, you know, how, do, how does it differ from some of these other content delivery methods and, and this, you know, some of this quote unquote personalization that, that other platforms are doing? What we've done is pretty simple, but, but very powerful. You know, I, I mentioned earlier, you know, as a species, we're really consuming content and scrolls and feeds, yeah. but nobody took that format in the B2C interactions. And that's what Relay does, right? So we provide large companies the ability to deliver branded and relevant content directly to their customers, segment of one level in a company branded scrolling format, yeah. right? But we don't do it as an app, right? So if we think about how content is consumed in these scrolling feeds today, it, it, it's all apps, right? It's a social app, it's a news app, it's a sports app. Um, and I think we probably agree, you know, the odds of people downloading a bunch of new business apps to snack on business content's probably pretty low. Right. right. So what we did at Relay is, you know, we came up with a mechanism to give them that scrolling feed, but do it outside of an app. And the measurable results uh, to our clients has been great so far. That's great. That's great. So uh, a common measurement of content strategy and, and content delivery efforts is engagement, um, which certainly can be measured in, in, in different ways. But is that the right way of looking at things? You know, And how do you recommend that companies look at engagement with their content in a meaningful way? Yeah, it, it, great question, and 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 I hate to say it depends, but that's that's yeah. my that's my answer. You know, if you're if you're a company that's that's in an advertising motion, right, where like eyeball mass and and length of engagement and targeting ability are what matters, then I would say, yeah, engagement's a pretty good set of numbers, right, to yeah. uh, to measure. But my experience across industries is. If you're in a marketing motion or a service delivery motion or a sales motion, engagement gets tricky uh, as a measurement metric yeah. for one really simple reason, Greg. Very few business executives in those motions and in those functions have or believe in engagement ROI, yeah. right? They know intuitively across these companies that engagement's good, but they struggle to put a mathematical value on that engagement. And we see this, we've been seeing this play out, you know, in large companies across industries for years where, you know, these debates rage on between, let's say a marketing function who's trying to convert, you know, a, a channel group, maybe trying to manage cost or customer sat scores, yeah. and maybe some of the newer channels like digital trying to drive engagement, right? So they all have these different mathematical definitions of what great is in customer uh, interaction or engagement. Yeah. But I think there's another like core challenge that maybe doesn't get as much airtime, Greg, which is many companies, service companies, work off push engagement, right? So, and, and, yeah. and what I mean by that is, you know, they're doing some marketing or campaign motion and those motions cost money on the margin, or they might be doing pull engagement 
and channels that have either massive infrastructure investments like digital platforms or have a cost on the margin like call center. And both types of those motions at these companies, they basically require an interaction ROI, whether it be sales conversion or marketing conversion or some cost reduction measure. And this is played out by having a really limited effect on what kind of content can be delivered through those yeah. channels, right? And, and if you, we just think about ourselves as consumers, the reality is in these corporate-owned channels, we're pretty much just getting business objective content yeah. today, right? Because yeah. their math requires it. So I think until, you know, what's missing to me then when I, when I think about, you know, en- engagement and content strategy in the measurement system is we need a low fixed cost engagement channel that's broad and personalized and changes that business math. And until that happens, Greg, I think corporations are going to revert to, quite frankly, conversion ROI math because that's what they know. in the engagement space. Well, and I think that kind of goes back to something that you said in in the beginning as well, which is I I think a lot of brands are approaching personalization as in as solely personalizing offers and what can I sell this person that they're going to buy versus customers. I think my, my take on a lot of the, there's a lot of statistics that say, you know, customers want personalized experiences, content offers, all that they're not necessarily only thinking about what they buy. They're thinking about things that are also answering some of their questions and solving some of their, their other challenges. So I think what you just brought up there as well, you know, it kind of, kind of compounds the challenges. If our only metric is, is a sale, you know, just to simplify it, then uh, I, I agree with you. I think, I think it is gonna, it's gonna shortchange both the, the brand's ability to connect with customers and it's going to kind of shortchange the, the customer being able to be helped with the, by the brand. Does that, does that, do you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think that's, it's bang on. Yeah. So along those lines, then, you know, one of the things I often talk about is the need for brands and, and companies to think more in a customer lifetime value models, as opposed to, you know, everybody's going to be held to, you know, monthly, quarterly, annual sales goals. And so, you know, there's always, we're never going to avoid some type type of short-term metrics needing to be prioritized. But when you think about content and um, engagement with that content, you know, how can an engagement with content create longer lasting customers and those lifetime value um, customers? Well, first off, Greg, I I couldn't agree more that 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 companies need to take a longer term view in, in this space. And, and to do that, it's going to require new models of measurement that are longer term, right, than those short term metrics. Mm-hmm. And I think at the heart of a lot of frustration in society with the service companies that all of us, you know, do business with is, you know, those companies pursuit of short term objectives over what I need and want, yeah. right, in a given moment. And, and here's how I describe sort of the problem with, with, with um, some of these models of measurement at companies. You know, so imagine, Greg, like, you know, you and your spouse or partner are sitting on the couch at home, right? And, and it's trash night and your job is to take out the trash. <laughs> yeah. So the, the way most companies are going to measure that is 
know, did I take out the trash? You know, did, did I do it without being prompted? Did I take the trash out on time? Was I efficient and helpful in how I took out the trash? And do I believe, I'll, you, know, the, uh, you know, the trash will go out next week? They're all very episodic, short-term yeah. measurements. I think the challenge in those measurement systems is none of them measure if I'm a good husband or partner. Right. Right. And it's an annuity yeah. of interactions and episodes. It's going to answer that question. And my taking out the trash, this singular experience is a very, very small input into the bigger question. Like, am I a good partner? So longer term measurements that determine like if I'm a good life partner have much more to do with understanding and empathy and support and assistance. But it's been my experience, most companies really have no idea what that longer term sort of annuity measurement system would look like. And they're failing to embrace that, that the content strategies they use should feel more like a series of chats on the couch with your partner and a little less episodic or campaign-based content that kind of feels like this person's trying to convert me or like, you know, yeah. it's the difference between a series of chats on the couch and like somebody trying to pick you up in the bar. And so many corporate measurement systems are like, did I pick this person up in a bar versus a longer term measurement system around a bunch of conversations? That's how I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I like the, I, I like the metaphor too. And, and for those wondering, today was trash day actually and i did take the trash out so I'm, very good i'm at least a reasonably good partner <laughs> so before we continue i'd like to introduce you to a sponsor of the show basecamp throughout my career whether it was at my own agency or now as a consultant basecamp is what we rely on to help keep projects on track on schedule and on budget it takes a straightforward approach to project management it streamlines workflow management and definitely keeps the team in the loop and on top of ongoing updates, which all are major components in a smooth running operation. No matter if it's a simple campaign or a multi-million dollar project, Basecamp has been a key ingredient in the recipe for a successful project and business. If you're struggling with projects, sign up for Basecamp. Their pricing is simple and they give you all their features in a single plan. No upsells, no upgrades. Go to Basecamp.com slash Agile, that's Basecamp.com slash A-G-I-L-E, and try Basecamp for free. No credit card required and cancel any time. Thank you, Basecamp, for sponsoring this episode. Now let's get back to the show. I think this concept is certainly global for any brand and and company, but you know, different types of companies and their customers are certainly going to have some different needs. So Relay works in several industries, but I think it might be helpful to talk about some of the different approaches and considerations that you might take in in certain situations. So uh, can you talk about maybe, for instance, how you might approach a customer feed in a financial services setting versus a healthcare one? Certainly some different needs there. What are some of the ways in what in which they might be similar as well as different? Yeah, it's great and an important question. Our clients think it's very important, right? So uh <laughs> You know, putting us on, putting aside like these longer term metric systems we just talked about, our clients in different different industries do have different key metrics, right? So our our financial services clients, you know, they might be very focused on using, you know, our feed platform for things like getting their new accounts funded, 
you know, activating debit and credit cards, creating recurring spend or recurring savior savings behaviors, things like that. And then likewise, maybe our health insurance clients might be much more focused on things like, you know, there's certain scoring mechanisms in, in that industry that drive Medicare allocations or the cost of care, or maybe even behavioral change, right, with their insureds in the long run. What the com so the metrics vary, Greg, across the industries, but one of the common themes in the industries we serve today is that all of them serve people, and then we allow them to connect with those people in an individual level in a format those people already like, right? These feeds and, and scrolls, but the content delivers quite a bit across the industry. And what, what's kind of neat about who we're serving today, though, is all our clients have this longer term objective around their customers' health. It might be financial health. It might be physical health. It might be mental health. And I think that's a pretty cool thing yeah. um, across the industries we serve. So, you know, we're a SaaS-based engagement and content platform that basically helps our clients help their customers lead better lives on these different dimensions of health, right? Financial, physical, mental. And I think a lot of companies have workforces that get out of bed in the morning. But I think one of the things that's interesting about the industries we serve today at Relay is we, we all kind of jump out of bed in the morning, Greg, because we honestly believe we're enabling you know our corporate clients to help their customer base live better lives. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's great. So last uh, last topic I wanted to talk about with you was a little bit more about Relay and and um, some of the successes and and where you're moving in the future. And so you know there's some there's some pretty compelling numbers here. So uh, Relay has achieved 35 percent year over year revenue growth, delivers more than 75 million feeds to its customers. Customers. What do you attribute that growth to that has been missing previously? And, you know, in what areas, whether it's by industry, customer need, however you want to categorize it, you know, what areas have you seen the most growth and engagement? Yeah, there's a few things that have that have fueled the growth. And then and then I'll talk about where we're seeing the growth. You know, we yeah. talked about format right throughout this chat. The A big part of what's fueled the growth is this concept of simply delivering business content in a format that that people spend hours a day in already on social or news. Yeah. Another thing that's fueled the growth and success to date is we do win by pretty wide margins against other content channels like email or, or SMS text messaging and so forth. So our clients are always naturally looking for ways to expand with us. Uh, success begets success in business yeah. and in life. Yeah. And that's been a, a big part of the fuel but I think a third thing that, that's fueled the growth and success is, is this mathematics that I talked about. We're, you know, we are, this new channel is relatively low cost and it's largely a, a fixed cost investment versus maybe other channel options. And that's removed that mathematical barrier for our clients to like always have to convert like constantly yeah. In, yeah. in every interaction. And that's liberated them to share types and volumes of content with their customers in a much different way than they do in other channels. And, and we continue to, like you said, like, where are we seeing the growth? You know, we find a lot of our clients actually have some really good content, Greg, but it's either 
bury it in a web portal yeah. or it's like three layers deep in a hamburger menu and an app and, and yeah. the customer didn't come in the app to, to snack on content anyway but they can't justify like marginal cost channels uh to push that content out and, and like i said I, there aren't that many humans that snack on content in their email inbox so we see a lot of growth in educational informational assistance type content that might be product education and financial services it, it might be best practices and physical health it, it spans many dimensions that the content was sitting in our client's library but their their channel architecture just didn't lend it to to landing with the right people yeah yeah got it so what do you see for, as the you know, taking a, a step back, even, you know, what do you see as the future of content delivery? You know, what's, what's the next two or three years going to bring that, that you're really excited about? Yeah. You know, in, in, in the near term, I certainly hope we see a better balance between all this conversion content we've been yeah. fed as a society and more of that assistance or helpful content. We have to address like the business math problem to, to make that a reality over the next two to three years. Yeah. I do think we'll see continued growth in orchestration engines at big companies. You know, Omni, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, everybody was talking about Omni Channel, but that that really didn't pan out the way most companies wanted yeah. over the last decade or so. And I think there's a growing realization that personalized orchestration might be a much better way of getting at this than sort of these former Omni strategies. But I'll say, Greg, where where I actually get most excited, and it might be more three to five year horizon, is on a couple of dimensions. First, I think we're going to see more ambient content in our life down the road, whether it's delivered through smart cars or or smart homes or smart cities or personalized virtual assistants. It could take many forms. Yeah. Uh, but you know, that's a world where where, where content delivery begins getting a little bit decoupled from proprietary hardware systems, maybe, where I think as people, like there's less logistical and cognitive load in our life when we get to that point. Yeah. I also see in the content space, both big and small tech playing a larger role in content delivery. And, and, and maybe not for the reasons that a lot of people talk about. You know, those industries really understand like annuity or subscription or longer term mathematics yeah. right and 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 they trade on on growth not earnings multiples so those industries you know when they think about interaction management and i've worked in some of these industries they think longer term and that's why i think the tech sector is going to be a big part of solving content delivery at a segment of one more than maybe traditional enterprise initiatives have been to date. Yeah. And I'm very excited about those possibilities, right? So I'm talking about, you know, technology systems that are that are that are neutral that many brands and or companies can use. I, I just don't know that content delivery in 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 our future is going to get solved at the individual brand level. Yeah. Yeah, makes makes sense. Well, um, one last question before we wrap up here. So, you know, you've given a lot of great insights and, and, and advice already, but you know, what's what's one piece of advice that 
you would have for brands that, you know, they maybe know they need to improve their content delivery strategy and methods, but not necessarily sure where to start. Uh, what should they do as they navigate the months ahead? Yeah, uh, good, good, good question. I think if I had to boil it down to a single sentence, I'd say something like, stop pretending like you're going to change your corporate behavior inside the mathematics of your existing channels and get on board with more modern content formats that your customers love and use every day, but that you're not providing. Yeah, yeah I love that. Great, great advice. Well, John, thanks so much for joining the show. Uh, for those listening, what's the best way for them to keep up with what you're doing? Uh, please go to uh, RelayNetwork.com and you can see uh, you can see what we're doing and, and, and where we're going. And it's been fantastic being here with you today, Greg. Yeah, thanks so much for joining. Again, I'd like to thank John Thomas, Chief Strategy Officer at Relay Network for joining the show. Talk with you next week. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.gregkilstrom.com. That's G-R-E-G-K-I-H-L-S-T-R-O-M.com. To get a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, visit my website, or you can find it on Amazon or other retailers. The Agile brand is produced by Missing Link, a Latina-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, they craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Until next time, stay agile.